listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. All right, so we were in New York, and... um, I was at the table. We were, we were just having like a lunch and, um, one of the artists who came to do worship at the conference this year, Dante Bo, and, uh, from Maverick city worship. And we were just kind of sitting around talking about some of these, some of these things. And we got talking about these three guys. And I thought, you know, it was, it was interesting to hear somebody else who thinks like I do along these lines uh, without necessarily, you know, a religious mindset. Now, I'm not telling you to go watch these guys because obviously they're they're sinners, <laughs> and uh, obviously some of the content that they're going to have is is going to be filthy because they are sinners. But uh, it's their mindset that I want to talk about today, and I want to give you five lessons that you and they're biblical lessons that you can take away from looking at how Joe Rogan. Dave Chappelle and Russell Brand think and act even in uh, the secular world, which the reason it's mind blowing to me is because these guys don't even serve the Lord, but are living out certain principles that Christians won't even live out that really were commanded to live in that way. And it would really be beneficial to you and to the kingdom if we would live that way. And I'll give you five of those mindsets today and explain to you what I mean by that from their own experiences and from what the Bible says. And so we're sitting at the table and, uh, had a bunch of guys around and, uh, and Dante and I were talking about this very subject, uh, about some of these guys who, um, we pray for and, uh, who we believe, uh, God will touch them and they'll be saved at some point. Um, and I made this, and, and I want, I want to hear you from you guys on this. I made this point, uh, that, It's like you can look into culture and you can see certain people um, that it's like they've been anointed by God. They're not following the anointing. They're not pursuing the call of God on their life. But you 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 can discern that, you know, God has put his hand upon their life to do something, right? And it's, it's mind blowing. So like when I look through culture, I remember thinking this years ago, like, before Steve Harvey came out and being saved and going on TBN and all that stuff. And I know he's still rough around the edges, but like, I, I, I remember looking at Steve Harvey back in the days of like the Kings of comedy, when he did that tour with all those, the three other guys, I remember watching and seeing like at Kings of comedy and hearing him to talk and thinking like, you know what? The hand of God is on Steve Harvey. And I know people thought I was crazy for saying that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, he's a filthy comedian or whatever. And I was like, you know, I don't know. I feel the hand of God on Steve Harvey. And it, it solidified it for me one night because I saw this clip on YouTube. And it was Steve. I've played it in my live services before. It, it was Steve Harvey saying in a live, in an arena full of people, packed out arena, saying how he would introduce Jesus if Jesus was going to come on stage and he started, you know, doing his 
introduction of Christ, which was supposed to be a comedic uh, bit, but the anointing came on him and really he started preaching. You could feel, even on the video, you could feel the anointing come into the arena while he was talking about Jesus. And he was talking about some call him the Rose of Sharon and some call him the Lily of the Valley. He walks on water. He feeds the, you know, he cleanses the leper. He raises the dead. I mean, he, he does all that. And you feel the anointing come into the arena. People that probably are church people, some that probably aren't standing up on their feet in the arena and lifting their hands. And, and then they, they pan the arena uh, at the end when he says, put your hands together for the second coming of the one and only Jesus Christ. And when he said it, the whole arena goes off shouting and lifting their hands and they pan wide. You see probably 15, 20,000 people with their hands up shouting and lifting their hands to Jesus Christ. He's not talking about a generic God, but Jesus Christ. So I, I watched that and I thought, well, there's the confirmation for me. I mean, who's going to do that? You know, that, that to me was like the hand of God's on him somewhere throughout his life. He's been touched by the anointing. Uh, I look at other guys. I remember uh, it's on YouTube. If you'd like to see that clip, just type in Steve Harvey introduces Jesus Christ. Um, in fact, is there any way that we can get it for the end of the broadcast today that we could play it? Like maybe download it and play it at the end. If there is cool, if there's not, I understand. Um, but there's another one. I remember back in, you know, the late nineties or whatever, I was, I was looking at Jamie Foxx and I was like, something's on Jamie Foxx. And, and you might not know who Jamie Foxx is. He's another stand-up comedian slash actor. If you don't know who he is, he's been in movies and blockbusters and everything. So Jamie Foxx, I remember watching him and thinking the hand of God's on his life for somehow. And for some reason, uh, and I didn't understand why. And I looked at him and I thought, man, there's some, and I know he's filthy and I know he's not serving the Lord, but there, you know, there's something about the guy that the hand of God is upon his life. I started watching him back in the, uh, probably like early thousands, late nineties. Um, Jamie Foxx was doing, and he's a stand-up comedian as well. He used to do stand-up. And he would, uh, at the end of his stand-up set, he would have them bring a piano onto the stage for the encore. And he would come back out and he would sit down at the piano and do funny songs and stuff. Like he'd do like R&B. He'd make up songs on the spot. He would roast people in the crowd, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then I watched one time and they brought the, they brought the piano out and he was kind of mimicking, uh, he was kind of mimicking church and like what, what church is like. And I'm sure he knows that a a large portion of his uh, people have, have had experience with church, you know, and, um, he was mimicking church and doing stuff. And this is what it sounds like when they take the offering. And this is what it sounds like when the preacher's preaching and all that. But then as he was sitting there doing, um, mimicking church, he said, then there's that lady that gets up to do the solo in church, to sing her song. And he starts playing on the piano, uh, Dottie Rambo's amazing grace will always be my song of praise. And he starts singing it. Amazing grace will always, this is the tune of Danny boy. Uh, and, and starts singing it. Well, let me tell you something. He starts singing amazing grace will always be my song of praise. And the anointing dropped. 
in that theater. I mean, I'm telling you, I watched it. The anointing dropped. It went from like, no, he's not the donkey in Shrek. That's, that's Eddie Murphy. <laughs> but if the anointing dropped and, and I'm telling you, it was the anointing. Like, don't tell me I can't sense the anointing. I can sense, I know what the anointing is and what it's not. Uh, it was not fake. It was the anointing. He started singing about amazing grace will always be my song of praise. It was grace that won my victory. Let me tell you something. People started standing, lifting their hands. And I saw something I had never seen before in my life. A sinner started singing a song, a Christian song. And the anointing came so quickly that literally this was one of his specials that he put out on DVD. It, it hit so quickly that he had to stop playing, he convicted himself. I've never seen this in my life. Jamie Foxx is singing, Amazing Grace Will Always Be My Song of Praise. The anointing comes so quick, he had to stop. He's like, oh man, I can't do that. I can't go. The anointing hit him at his own stand-up special, and he convicted himself by worshiping the Lord at the end of his filthy set. I've never seen anything like that. Steve Harvey, Jamie Foxx, you look at the, you look through history, Elvis Presley, Whitney Houston, uh, you know, Katy Perry, who's gone off the deep end, but grew up in church, Justin Bieber, who we just saw at, uh, we had Chris Estrada was with us at Upper Conference. He's with One Nation One Day. They just finished One Day LA in Los Angeles, had all these different people that were quote unquote influencers come in, um, to do this soul winning outreach in Los Angeles. And Justin Bieber came, shared his testimony, sang. Some people were angry about it. Christians I'm talking about. Christians were angry that Justin Bieber sang uh, worship songs because, you know, what business does he have singing worship songs? Um, Chris made a great point. Um, Chris said, you know, as soon as Jesus uh, delivered the demoniac, uh, he immediately instructed him to go and tell his testimony and uh, they didn't allow Justin to do any kind of preaching or ministry or anything like that to people, but they allowed him to share his testimony, which is what Jesus told the demoniac to do. And I understand holiness and I understand people should be discipled and I understand people should be living uh, according to what the word of God says. I get all that. Um, but at the same time, think of the people that were drawn into that soul winning event just because Justin Bieber was going to be there. And then at the end, they, they heard gospel preached from a preacher and answered the altar call and were changed. Um, and so there are people, the point I'm making, there are people who have the hand of God upon their life that maybe the Lord called them. And the Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So maybe the Lord called them, you know, in that way. They've not responded to the voice of God or anything like that. And I agree, there are people, you just know that the hand of God, either God's called them to preach or to, you know, whatever it might be. <clears throat> and um, they've not really uh, responded to the call of God or whatever. Uh, I mean, everybody was rejoicing when Kanye West finally res res responded to the call of God uh, and everything. And the thing you have to remember too, before I get, get, get into giving you these five things, people love to criticize people uh, at whatever place they're at in, in their walk with God. And I understand, listen to me, I understand holiness. You got to live holy. 
You have to be obedient to God's word, but there is something called discipleship. That's when you go from, you know, there's a, there was a difference between the Ephesian church and the Corinthian church. (laughs) The Ephesian church was mature. The Corinthian church was immature, big difference. You know, Paul was kicking people out of the Corinthian church because they were living in unrepentant sin. The Ephesian church, he's talking differently to them. There's, there is a walk with God where you continue to become more like Christ. Love you, Isaiah. So, you know, there is discipleship. And one of the sad things you see a a celebrity make a decision to serve the Lord. Um, and the thing that's sad to me, and I was talking to Dante about this, um, because he's been around some more famous people like Chance the Rapper and Justin Bieber and, you know, some of these other ones. And it's like, he told me, he said, you know, personally, I've been around them. And he said, they, they not only value, uh, like the word of God and, and, and they, they value, uh, the principles, you know, that's why, you know, they they do these things because it's just that the problem is they get around, uh, ministers that, all they want is to be seen with them. And so rather than uh, speaking to them, correcting them, rebuking them, instructing them, um, they just want to take selfies with them and hang out with them and go to restaurants with them and be seen with them. And as a result, you've got ministers hanging with you that don't want to disciple you because they're afraid that if I start correcting you and if I start uh, instructing you or whatever, discipling you, then you're just going to get mad and not want to be my friend anymore. And then what's the problem there? Well, now you're just there to hang out. You're not an influence. So what we have is celebrities that have to live their life in the public eye, and they're trying to navigate the tabloids and all this other stuff with their decision of serve Jesus in a filthy industry, and no one's going to stand there and, and disciple them because you know they're afraid they won't get to hang with them anymore. And so we're, we're quick to criticize people about where they're at, uh, in their walk with God, but really we should pray for them. We should pray for them. And the three that I'm listing today, I pray for these guys because I've seen something like it's, and it's funny because you say, well, you really see that Joe Rogan's an atheist. Yes, he is. Yes, he is an atheist. Uh, Dave Chappelle might have some church background. Maybe I, I don't, I don't really know if he does, but maybe, but I pray for him. Uh, Russell Brand, and, and here's the thing, uh, it's, 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 it's amazing to me that when you look at these guys, some of them are more open to ideas than some Christians are. Like I listen to Joe Rogan, you know, talk and we we've discussed it here. It, it's amazing. Like these guys, yes, he's an atheist and everything, but it's like, when you listen to him and Russell Brand talk and stuff, it's like, they're actually more open to ideas and th- open to things in life than many Christians are. <laughs> and it's like, I could see that they're closer to salvation than people realize they actually are. You see like an atheist, you're like, oh, he's so far from God. You don't realize that's like, you start messing around and you, st- you stay open. You hear these things like you're going to get your life changed. <laughs> you're going to get your life changed. So I wanted to kind of run through five things with you on this, on this broadcast today, um, that, that I've seen from these three guys, again, Rogan, Chappelle, Russell Brand, uh, that to me is like, man, 
Uh, and we got talking about that. It's like these guys, I think they're closer than people realize that they could be brought into the kingdom. The Holy Ghost is calling out to men. The gospel, all needs to be is preached. If they could get around somebody that was real, <clears throat> that could give them the gospel. They're not closed off. That's the thing I'm saying. They're not closed off. And that's why I'm praying for them. Because uh, look at the same force that Kanye was. Uh, for Christian music and for Christians, like to make a statement in an industry that's like filthy. Imagine if Joe Rogan got saved. Imagine if, uh, yeah, exactly, Josh. Um, imagine if Dave Chappelle got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Imagine if Russell Brand got saved and, and filled with the Holy Ghost. So <clears throat> it's amazing to think about the impact they could have on the unbeliever because they already have people that are following them. But let me give you five things. I want you to take notes, put it in your uh, put it in your notes today and I'll give you some scripture behind this, but it, it's something we need to learn from even those that are not serving the Lord. You can see them taking steps that are valuable for the believer and, and it's, it needs to be seen. Number one, for all three of these guys, number one, they value their values. That's number one. They value their values. What do I mean by that? Well, a perfect example of this we live in what's called cancel culture, cancel culture. And, um, people are getting canceled for saying something that's even the smallest amount politically incorrect. I mean, you can't offend anybody today. You get canceled for everything. And one of the things that I, uh, respect is that guys like Chappelle and Rogan and Russell Brand have just kind of made up their mind. Like, um, I'm going to be above cancel culture. Like I'm literally going to be above it so hardcore that like I'm going to, um, and I'll, I'll get into this in a minute, but like, I'm going to go direct instead of trying to avoid cancel culture, I'm going to go like right at it. I'm just going to like bulldoze right at it. And they value their values. They recognize that, especially in an industry like comedy. And it's funny because my cousin and I, Jonathan have talked at length about how funny it is that like sometimes the lives of, of stand-up comedians um, and evangelists are so closely related with the travel and the speaking to crowds and the fact that people get offended at what you say and, and all these things. It's kind of funny to think about. Uh, we listen to guys tell their old stories from when they started out as traveling comedians. Like, yeah, I can identify because when you start out as a traveling evangelist, it's kept very much the same. But uh, one of the things they recognize is if they allow that culture to infiltrate their medium, their craft, which is stand-up comedy, it will destroy the whole thing because you can't have jokes without the risk of offending somebody. You can't have jokes. And so they value their values. So as a result, they're resisting that cancel culture. Uh, they've, you got to put what you know to be right as first. So I think of the same thing for the church. There's a whole group of Christians right now that are putting um, cultural identity above the kingdom. We've done broadcasts on it, kingdom above culture. They're putting cultural identity above the kingdom. Like literally my cousin shared a tweet uh, yesterday, all these church signs, you know, uh, vax it or casket, like don't come to church. All these different things, uh, putting culture above the kingdom, forget laying hands on people, all this other stuff, but even changing how they would preach. 
Imagine people changing how they would preach about homosexuality or, or the LGBTQ. You'd never touch it, would never touch it in your church because of the fear of being canceled. Not, not in a hateful way, in a biblical way. We show love through telling the truth, but wouldn't touch it. There's a whole group of people. They wouldn't touch it. Well, I just avoid those subjects and just stick to Jesus. Jesus didn't avoid sin, didn't avoid preaching on sin or correcting sin. And, and there's people today that just avoid talking about it because they don't want to offend people. That's the same problem that these guys, Rogan, Chappelle, and Brand, the same problem they see coming and they're like, I value my values. So I'm not going to allow uh, the cultural thought process to push back at me and, and get me to alter what I'm able to say and what I'm able to do in, in my own public space in, in my career. The same has to be true for Christians. The same thing has to be true for Christians, that you've got to value your values and not let culture push back on you to the place where you've changed what you say. You change how you preach. You change how you speak because you're worried that someone's going to get offended. Good. If someone's not getting offended, you're not living it hard enough. You're not preaching it hard enough because when you preach the spirit of Christ, it's going to offend the spirit of antichrist every time. That's exactly what's going to happen. I'm looking at the story in Daniel chapter three of uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that they literally valued their values so hardcore that when the whole national setup changed, that you imagine the entire nation bowing to a system, whereas three guys stayed standing tall. I mean, like that's the biblical principle. That's the biblical principle. The whole nation is bowing to this new cultural worship of the king and three guys are standing tall, there ain't no way we're bowing. I mean, there's just no way whatsoever that we're going to bow. And and tick the king off to where he was ready to kill him. I mean, that's the level to which they were ready to live. Like, I'll die for this. And when you listen to these guys talk, I mean, that's how they seem to be. Like, they would die for it. And even if it was just, uh, you know, the death of their career, they seem to feel like I'd rather let my career die than to alter what I say and what I do to make this cancel culture happy. And we, uh, why aren't Christians, why aren't Christians living like this where you're, you're unashamed to speak biblical truth and live a biblical life and not care about the pushback of an antichrist system and agenda? Why is it that there were so few people ready to continue worshiping God in the midst of the uh, corrupt pushback from the government in 2020. Why were there so few churches willing to do that? Why were there? We need more. We need more that won't bow. We, we need more that won't compromise. We need more that won't stop saying what the word of God says. And one of the things that I appreciate, and I'll, I'll get into number two, which is this, they don't just value their values, but number two, they push boundaries on purpose. Put that down. Number two, they push boundaries on purpose. They push boundaries on purpose, not on accident, on purpose. And, and yeah, they get flack for it, but they don't care. 
because they understand that in order to keep this thing moving forward, in order to keep making this work, if there are things being pressed back at you from society and culture, you have to press back violently in order to make headway. I mean, I was pretty amazed that in the midst of the most politically correct uh, moments of the time where people are being canceled left and right for saying some of the smallest, uh, smallest things blew my mind. You know, Dave Chappelle dropped a, uh, Dave Chappelle dropped a, a special called sticks and stones. I don't recommend watching it. It's called sticks and stones for a reason. You know, you remember the old saying sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Listen, he came with sticks and stones to the special. And it was almost like he was making an effort to offend every one he could as fast as he could and understood. And it wasn't like by accident, it was a calculated effort to push back against what, what, what's going on. It's a calculated effort. So in that sticks and stones, which again, do not watch it, but in that sticks and stones, like even the LGBTQ community that would push back, even at guys like Chappelle and whoever else, he, he didn't avoid them. <laughs> like in his mind, okay, I'm going to go right at it and broke it down and literally took time to do jokes about every group within that. He did jokes about the L's, then the B's, then the G's, then the T's, then the Q's, like not avoiding it. Like he pushed back hard at the system. And, um, you know, in a, in a joking way, like it's a joke setup, right? So, uh, in, in their minds and these guys, they're not serving the Lord in their minds. If we lose the ability to do this, this is how they're thinking. If we lose the ability to do this, then we might as well quit everything because everything is going to be up for, uh, grabs, meaning everything will be up for questioning. You won't be able to say anything and the whole Medium depends on the fact that you can say things in a safe space that's a joke and be willing to offend. I think of Daniel in the midst of a culture. Again, we're three chapters later, Daniel chapter six, right? Questioning, Lenan. I think it's I think it stands for question, those that are questioning what they are. Um, but think about this. Daniel pushed the boundaries on purpose. Do you think Daniel didn't know? that it was illegal to pray to anyone but the king? Of course, Daniel knew. He was one of the right-hand men of the king. So much so, it made people mad that he had that much favor. Do you think Daniel even cared at all that the whole system had changed? That, that it was now pushing back against his, uh, his, his life with God, following God, Jehovah? Do you think he cared? And it was pushing back. I mean, the whole reason they made those edicts was to push back at Daniel alone. I mean, think about this. That would be like if they made things today, and I'm not saying they are, but what if they did? That's like if they made things today governmentally that pushed back only against the church. Imagine if they said, we're going to lock down again, but the only places locking down are churches. Imagine that, like Walmart won't lock down, none of the parks, none of the restaurants, nothing. Churches, though, have to stay closed 
because the only thing you're allowed to do is go out as long as you don't go to church. That kind of a pushback. That's the kind of pushback Daniel was experiencing. Oh, you can pray to the king, but if you pray to anyone else, it's a death sentence. Do you think he cared? He didn't care. He pushed like against the boundaries on purpose. How do we know that he did that? Because Daniel six tells us that Daniel went back to the place that he always prayed and threw open the shutters at the same time that he always prayed and he prayed unto his God. So what's the point here? The point is he didn't try to hide his prayer life. Once it became illegal, he didn't go find a secret closet somewhere and pray in there. He didn't alter his prayer schedule and say, well, I know they expect me to pray at midday, so I'm not going to do it then. I'm going to do it in my prayer closet, like in the middle of the night when everyone's sleeping. Didn't do that. He stayed right where he always was, threw open the shutters, same time as he always prayed and prayed unto God. He pushed back against the boundaries and said, I'm not altering this for anybody. I don't care. I don't care. And God honored him for pushing back against the boundaries. He God honored him for it. Bottom line, push the boundaries on purpose. You know what? I love it. Uh, my, my cousin says it this way. Uh, any, anything the devil says you can't do once do twice, like just do it and do more of it. Whatever makes the devil mad, do more of it, do a lot more of it and make up your mind. I refuse to be dictated to from a spirit of antichrist, what I can say and what I can't say, what I can do and what I can't do. I'll not be canceled. You know why? Because you didn't hire me. So you can't fire me. I'm called by God. I'm commissioned by God. You didn't hire me. You can't fire me. You can't fire me. I've been, you know, it's good to look, look right under your feet at the devil's face and say, you know what? The reason you can't finish me is because you didn't start me. I've been preaching that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. The devil can't stop you because he didn't start you. The devil can't stop you because he didn't start you bottom line. So he can't be your finisher because he wasn't your author. And so what is number two? All three of these guys, they push back against the boundaries that try to close them in. I refuse to be shut down. Who's going to shut the church down? Who's going to shut Jesus down? Who's going to shut Christians down? You can't do it. You can't do it. If there was ever a nation where you could shut Christians down, there'd be no Christians in China because it's illegal. And the underground church is flourishing. Threat of death, flourishing. So think about it. Push the boundaries on purpose. I'll not be dictated to by the spirit of this world, by an antichrist spirit. You're not going to stop me because you don't like the word of God. And Christians need to be more like this. Stop caring what the antichrist spirit likes. Stop caring what the spirit of this world likes. (laughs) I've said it on here before. People think, honestly, think about what they make you do. You become a slave to the culture. I didn't post a black square on my Instagram feed and I'm never going to, I, you know, here's the thing about it. I love all people. I love black people. I love Puerto Ricans. 
I love white people. I love people that are from Mexico. I love Peruvians. You know, whatever it is. I don't care what race you are. I love people. I love people. I don't love anti-Christ systems like Black Lives Matter because that's an anti-Christ system. If you don't think it's an anti-Christ system, go and read some of their goals. Go read how the people that are leaders within the BLM want to break up the nuclear family on purpose. Goals. Goals. Well, that's not God's agenda. God's agenda is to put together the nuclear family, to bring husbands back to wives and fathers back to their children. God, God looks to restore families, not break them apart. God, and here's the way it works. God, uh, by his own spirit, inspired scripture to say that if you say you love God and you hate your brother for any reason, you're a liar and the love of God's not in you. So you can't hate people and say you love God. I love everybody and without any kind of a filter, but I'm not going to be dictated to by the cultural system and say, well, if you don't post a black square, you don't love black people. Bull crap. You're full of crap. And I I won't be pushed around by some stupid antichrist system that says that I have to do something or else. I'm not virtue signaling. You're not going to find me some social justice warrior virtue signaling. Because let me tell you something. I've actually done work and paid money to bless the communities of this nation and other nations while everybody else is just sitting on their nice $1,300 couch posting a black square virtue signaling, and they haven't done crap for their community, for the, for our generation. They haven't done anything. So I'm not being pushed. I'm not going to have people push back at me and say, well, you don't care enough about your generation because you didn't post a black square on your Instagram and you're not holding up. You're not marching with black lives matter. And I never will. You never see me march because it's bull crap because all it is another man-made agenda based on hate and anger it's not, you're never going to see me do it. Never going to see me do it. And if you think you're going to stop racism with a march, you've lost your freaking mind. Because the way that you take racism out of a culture or out of the heart of a man or woman is by getting them saved. That's how. That's how. So well, I know Christians that are racist. Then they're not Christians. I just read you the scripture from 1 John. If you say you love God and you hate your brother, then you're a liar and the love of God's not in you. Well, I know, you don't know Christians that are racist because if you're racist, you're not a Christian, according to scripture. So it's bull crap. And I'll not be dictated to by some stupid antichrist agenda and say what I am or what I'm not because of some virtue signaling on social media. Never going to happen. And I don't really give a crap what people think about it. You can invite me to your little conference or disinvite me. I don't uninvite me, whatever. I'm that. I don't care. You didn't start me. You can't stop me. So I don't give a crap. And that's how you have to live. That's how you have to live. And these guys will go at, they'll push the boundaries. They'll push the boundaries on purpose. So did Daniel. So did everybody in the old Testament that followed God. So did the new Testament believers. Don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Oh, oh fine. Let me tell you, Acts 5, 29, we must obey God rather than man. That'd be a good, that'd be a good verse for you to put down in your notes and remember for the rest of your life, because while every Christian idiot was on social media last year saying Romans 13, obey the government, Romans 13, obey the government. Yeah, that's what they did. Didn't they through the whole old and new Testament, they obeyed the government. 
That's how the Christians died so much. And that's how the Old Testament saints were persecuted so much because they obeyed the government. That's what Daniel did, isn't it? He obeyed the government. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, right? They obeyed the government. People are so dumb because they don't even read the Bible. Obey the government. Obey the government, brother. How about read Acts 5.29 when they were commanded not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore and they said, we must obey God rather than man. So if you want to beat our backs with rods, do it. You want to throw us in prison, do it. You want to kill us, do it. But we're not obeying you, we're obeying God. And that's how Christians need to live in 2021. That right there is how Christians need to live in 2021. Do you ever wonder this? If Christians were always obeying the government, how come they were in jail so much? Why was Paul in jail so much? Why was Peter in jail? Why were all these Christians being beheaded? How come until three, like the third century that that there, until something called the peace of the church, how come their Christians were being slaughtered left and right if they were always obeying the government? People have lost their minds. It's like, what, are you going to rewrite all of history to fit your stupid agenda? Don't be dumb. That should be a verse. <laughs> Don't be dumb. Number three, not only do they value their values, not only do they put push boundaries on purpose, but number three, they don't shut down foreign ideas. They don't shut down foreign ideas. I'll tell you something that (laughs) is kind of mind-blowing. They're open to it. Now, I'm going to, this is going to be a huge swing from the left to the right here because we're talking about sinners versus Christian people. But like, one of the things that I'm like so uh, blown away by is like these, these guys are like willing to try anything. And you know, Stuff that you've never even heard of, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, smoking a frog. Who has ever smoked a frog? Like these guys will literally take a frog and clean out the insides and like smoke. Apparently there's some kind of huge high you can get mind altering high from smoking a frog. What's the stuff Rogan and those guys do? DMT? They're talking about, they talk about it often. You know, one of the things that blows my mind, these guys aren't shut down to the spiritual realm. Like you can hear Joe Rogan and these guys talk about the supernatural realm on their, on the podcast. And you know, they'll talk about how they enter into the supernatural realm through doing drugs. You know, Zach, what are they talking about? They doing DMT and have somebody in the spirit meet them and teach them things and take them places. Like, I'm not even joking. Like if you've not heard this, these guys will do like DMT and then every time there's a, uh, a celebrity on Rogan's show and they'll, they'll get on and say, oh, you've done it too. And then like talk, they'll talk about their experience, like doing these drugs and then meeting somebody in the spiritual realm who will then take them places and teach them things they didn't know. And what do they talk about? Like teaching them like the secrets of the universe. And I mean, just like Russell, Russell Brand did it for like two straight, three, days. three straight days where they just had intravenously Every time he was coming down from a high, they would just pump more of it into his system. Like literally spent so much time throughout his life in the, in the spiritual realm through drugs. Who, who was it that said like they met the spirit and they were like, I can't even teach you any more stuff. It was Russell Brand. Who's like, I met the spirit again. And they were like, I can't teach you anything else. I've taught, I've taught you everything I can teach you. 
It's like they're meeting with demons <laughs> through drugs. And you got Christians that don't even believe in the supernatural realm. You've got Christians that don't believe in the supernatural realm. And you got these guys like, I'm open. I'm not, I'm not shut down to, to foreign ideas. And, and here, I want you to listen to this. I want you to hear what I say right now, because here's the huge swing from the left to the right. We're going all the way to the other, other side. You've got sinners like Rogan and Chappelle and Russell Brand and all these other people. There's many of them in Hollywood and other, other places. They are willing to, if they have to get high, they want, hear this now, hear it clearly. They want to meet a spiritual being and be led through life. I don't know if you're picking this up. They want to meet a spiritual being and be taught and be led through life. They keep doing, who's willing to stay on drugs for three days straight and never come down from the high so that you don't have to leave the spiritual realm? Think about that in, in, your, in your Christian mind. What does it say about a generation when you have people that want to stay in the spirit realm for so long so they never have to come out that they'll stay on a, a, a chemical? That's right. That's a great way to put it. Misdirected hunger. And you got Christians that won't be led by the spirit. Christians, and the Bible tells us very, very plainly, Romans chapter 8, that as many as are led by the spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Verse 14, they're the sons of God. So you know what? You've got Christians that are supposed to have a connection with a spiritual being and supposed to be taught all things. You have no need that any man should teach you, but the Holy spirit, when he comes, will teach you all things. You're supposed to have a connection with a spiritual being that's teaching you all things that is leading you through life and guiding you and comforting you. And you got Christians shutting their spiritual being down so they can live in the carnal realm. Think about it. So they can live in the carnal realm. And you got sinners that are willing to put chemicals in their body so they can access the spiritual realm, meet a spiritual individual who will lead them and guide them. I mean, I'm, that, that blows my mind. That blows my mind that we don't even need drugs to be led and guided by a spiritual being. And you got sinners that will do drugs to meet, be led and guided by a spiritual being. They, they're not even shutting these foreign ideas down. They're open to the spirit realm. Yes, I believe it's real. There is a spiritual realm. I've been there many times. I've heard those guys talk like that, right? Rogan said stuff like that. Like I've been there many times. I've seen it. People think I'm nuts, but if you've done it, you know, too, you've been there. And then they talk about their shared experience. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've been there. I've seen that. I've met, I've met a guy in the spirit world. They know they're not sitting around as atheists denying that there's a spirit realm. That's what's mind blowing to me. Rogan's an atheist, but believes that there's another realm that you can go and be a part of and be led and guided. It's like, dude. And people think, well, he's so far. No, he's not far. He understands the supernatural realm is there. You got Christians that are trying to shut the supernatural realm out because it's too weird. Dude, listen to me. Think about this. Churches are trying to cancel the supernatural aspect of church while sinners are killing their bodies to get into the supernatural realm. Are you hearing what I'm even saying here? 
the thing sinners are wanting, the devil has tricked Christians to removing from their churches. Removing from their churches. While you got sinners doing drugs for days at a time to stay in. And and what do we say? Well, we don't do the supernatural stuff here because that's weird to sinners. It ain't weird. It's what they want. It's what they want. We're we're cutting it out of our churches because we think it's too weird for for the visitor. Meanwhile, they're all listening to Rogan. They're all listening to Dave Chappelle. They're all listening to Russell Brand. They're all hearing this stuff about the spirit realm. Like, yeah, I, I don't like going to church because it's dry. Yeah, it is dry. Because you got people that have been uh, dictated to by religious culture about what your church should be like. You know, we don't speak in tongues in service. We don't want to scare people. Oh, really? You're underestimating people and what they can handle. Because it's for the unbeliever. It's ridiculous. So they don't, they don't shut down foreign ideas. They're led by the spirit. While it's... Uh, by a spirit that's a demon, whereas we're supposed to be led by a spirit that is the Holy Spirit. Number three, that's now, now, let me give you number four. They're not afraid to call out wrong facts. They're not afraid to call out. It doesn't matter how influential the person is sitting in front of them. They'll call them out. It's not true. I was watching, uh, uh, Rogan. He was in, in, uh, interviewing, uh, Candace Owens. And, um, of course I like Candace, you know, I like what she stands for. I like the things she says. I liked her book blackout. Um, but she said something, you know, she just, you know, people like Candace and like Ben Shapiro and they have a tendency to think they can just rattle off facts. You know, they'll rattle things off, you know, while they're talking, but like Joe caught her on something. It was like, hold up. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, he just straight up told her, you don't know what you're talking about. Jamie, you know, that's the guy that's like his producer, pull it up on the screen, put, put the statistics up and like called her out right there. Like she was saying it like it was fact, like it was in the books, done deal. He said, no, no, I don't think you know what you're talking about. Jamie, pull it up, pull the statistics up. They pulled it up, the statistics on the thing they were talking about. And she was wrong. You know, instead of being enamored by somebody like, oh, this is so-and-so or, you know, oh, that she must, she's an expert. She must know what she's talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. And one of the things that... A lot of times we're, we're, uh, as Christians, I can't stand if the fact we, we won't call out stuff that's untrue. It's not true. Just because something's popular within Christianity doesn't mean that it's true and doesn't mean that we should accept it at large and in mass, you know, people got mad at me, but it was probably my most listened to podcast back then that I'd ever done. Uh, I did a podcast called, are we singing unscriptural worship songs? And I just took reckless love and broke it down scripturally, like the things that are um, claimed by reckless love and the lyrics. I like I like the sound of the song. I love the tune. You know, it's a catchy song. But there's stuff that it says that's totally unscriptural, totally unscriptural. Especially if you understand the law of seed time and harvest and stuff. Well, I, I broke it down. I took people to the scripture where what does the Bible say about this? Could God's love truly be reckless? What does reckless mean? What does reckless mean? And is this how God operates? Did God not know the future? Did God not have a plan when he sent Jesus? Did he not know what was going to happen? You know, we broke it down from scripture and I'm sure people were mad. That's their favorite song. I stepped on their toes, you know, all all this stuff. But the fact is we're caught because what we don't realize, well, it's just a song. Why do you have to go off? Because people, whether you realize it or not, 
will take their theology from a song. If you don't know that by now, know it. People will build their theology, sadly, off of a song lyric. It's like, well, you know, you know, he, he chases me down, you know, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, you know, and, and, and they'll just, it's still up on our podcast, Ruth. You can just go through my podcast and search, are we singing unscriptural worship songs? It was a couple of years ago. You can go back and see. But it's like, they'll, they'll take the, oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. They'll, they'll take their, they will take their theology from a song. So if that's the case and it's, it's so popular that everybody's listening to it, it's good to break it down from scripture. Is this even scriptural? You know, if they're not afraid to call things out, you know, we talk about the hyper grace message that went so viral. Everybody talking about grace, everybody talking about grace to the point of hyper grace. It's beyond biblical grace and it becomes a uh, dangerous grace. What some have titled greasy grace, hyper grace. And we've dealt with that many times on the broadcast, but that's popular culture in Christianity. Everybody's on grace. Everybody switched to grace. They didn't define it properly. They're preaching it heretically. And it's, it's something that's damaging churches and Christians. So should it be called out? Yes, it should be called out. These guys aren't afraid to call things out when they're wrong. Why are Christians so afraid to, well, you know, that will offend people. You know, that's people's favorite message. And then, you know, I, I just choose to not touch it. Yeah. Meanwhile, people are losing their salvation over it because there's people too afraid to touch it or they just don't understand it enough to even explain it. Paul called it out. Paul called out all kinds of heresies. So did John. Jesus called stuff out. And in church, we can't call stuff out because somebody might get offended because it's their favorite message. Tough. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? That's the real question. What does the Bible say? And then let me read to you Proverbs 27 and verse five. You can go there with me if you want. This is the verse I want to give you. Proverbs 27 and verse five. Listen to this. Proverbs 27 and verse five. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Love you, brother Mark. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. It's actually walking in love when you bring correction to somebody for something that will end up hurting them rather than helping them. You know, I've said this before with preaching against sin and preaching to the LGBTQ community, right? It's like, well, you don't love them because you don't support their lifestyle. No, I love them because I'm letting them know that a sinful lifestyle will keep them from an eternal heaven and it will put them in an eternal hell. That's the love that I'm talking about. I don't, you know, I'm not like one of those nut jobs that, you know, uh, what's that Baptist church that always is doing crazy stuff like burning Bibles that aren't King James and stuff. What, What, you know what I'm talking about? That crazy Baptist church, AJ Bible will help me on that. What's that? What's that Baptist church, AJ? That's just like they're nut jobs. Every last one was a inbred nut job. Westboro. Westboro Baptist. I'm not talking about you know where I'm sitting around preaching like homosexuals need to go to hell. That's not what we're preaching. That's not what we're preaching. We're preaching that sin will send people to hell, and we don't want to see people 
Even if, I don't care if they're engaged in homosexuality, lesbianism. I don't care if they're engaged in drugs. I don't care if they're engaged in alcohol. I don't, I don't care what they're engaged in. I don't want to see people in hell. But I can't go the other direction and tell you that your actions don't matter. And so everyone's going to go to heaven at the end because that's not true. And so I have to tell you the truth to get you to heaven. And I want you to be in heaven because I love you. So I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that your actions don't matter, hyper grace. And I'm not going to preach universalism that no matter how sinful everyone is, the whole world's going back to heaven at the end. No, they're not. It's a straight, it's a narrow path and few there be that find it. And I don't want to see people go to hell. So as a result, I have to tell them the truth. (laughs) Melissa said, inbred, not job. You sure have a way with words, Teddy. Thank you. I read the dictionary in my off time. So, I mean, you think about it. There are sins that, you know, sin, sin kills you. Sin kills you. That's why Paul listed a whole paragraph of sins when he's talking about the works of, of the flesh, Galatians five, sin's a killer. And so I don't want to see people go to hell. I want to see people go to heaven, but you got to tell somebody the truth in order. It's the truth that sets you free. John eight 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. If I don't tell somebody the truth, I can't see them get set free. There's a point of why we stick to the word of God. It's the element that sets men free. And I don't want to see somebody that's living in homosexuality right now or lesbianism right now or bisexuality or whatever, transgender. I don't want to see people go to hell. I want to see them go to heaven. So what do I do? Tell them the truth in love. I love you. I'm not telling you this because I hate you. I don't hate homosexuals. I don't hate lesbians. I don't hate people that are bisexual. I don't hate transgender people. I love them all. I don't refuse to pray for them. I was preaching in uh, uh, Georgia and uh, I'm laying hands on everybody in the crowd. We're having a prayer line and here they come through the crowd. And I'm lo- I look up and here comes a dude through the crowd with his hands up. He was bigger than me. He was like six foot four, six foot five. Big old guy. Hands up in a full dress, full wig, high heeled shoes, full makeup. I'd say, separate him out of the crowd. I'm not laying hands on that. I didn't do that. Boom, I laid hands on him. He kept on going through the line. People say, well, you hate homes. You can't. No, I don't hate anybody. I want to see people go to heaven, not hell, but you got to, because there is a standard, by the way, there is a standard. Yeah. It made me laugh. People were talking about, you know, there's a difference between a sovereign nation and an analogous region where everybody can just gather. You know, we have this big argument over uh, open borders versus tight security at the borders. And I saw somebody posted, uh, Heaven has a strict immigration policy. Hell has open borders. <laughs> and it's true. You don't have to do anything to go to hell. You'll just go. But there is something you have to do to go to heaven. And that truly is the point. That truly is the point. Calling out wrong facts. Don't be afraid to rebuke and love, to exhort, to correct. Don't be afraid. You got to do what the Bible says. Let me give you the final one. Let me read you that verse again. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. 
Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Would you be upset at your friends if you, if you were out to dinner with them and then afterwards you all had a very important meeting and you ate with them and then you, you had a ton of black stuff in your teeth, tons of black stuff in your teeth. And then you were like, you just went to the important meeting with your friends and they knew it, but they never told you. They let you sit there in front of that person that you had to have a very important meeting with and sat there and smiled and talked and your teeth were full of black stuff. Would you be ticked off after when you saw in the mirror that they, and they never said it to you once? Or you sat there the whole time with your fly down or there was a big mustard stain on your shirt and you're sitting there like a, looking like a slob in front of the most important meeting. of your. Would you be mad at your friends? Of course you would. Because if they loved you, why wouldn't they tell you? Why did you tell me there was black stuff all through my teeth? Why didn't you tell me my fly was down? Why didn't you tell me I had mustard all over my tie? Of course, because if you love somebody, you tell them. You tell them. And that's what love does. It tells the truth, speaks the truth in love. Let me go a step further here. Finally, number five, and that is this. And this was a mind blower to me. I, I found these guys are like content without comparison. Content without comparison. That's number five. What do I mean by that? They don't need to compare themselves to others to be content. They don't need the, uh, let me, let me see if I can explain it the best way. Dave Chappelle had the most successful show on television. The Chappelle show ran for two and a half seasons. And then he just quit. He was being controlled. They were telling him what he would, could, couldn't do, whatever. Wouldn't give him full creative rights or whatever. Then he started getting kind of threatened about it. And so you know what he did? He just walked away, went to South Africa. It was the number one, number one selling DVD series in the history of DVDs. Think about that. Number one. And he walked away from it in the midst of the highest moment. Came back. I want you to think about this. Came back and, you know, moved away from Hollywood, moved into like rural Ohio onto a farm. He didn't need to live in a mansion in, in L.A. Just came back, moved to Ohio, where he's from. Everybody was looking for him, you know, all that. Lives on a farm. He decided, and I heard, I heard uh, professional, or professional, I heard successful um, stand-up comedians talking about this. And I heard him talking about it. He, he just jumped into an RV. He wasn't doing big stand-up. He wasn't doing anything. He just jumped to an, into an RV and decided to just do a cross-country trip and was driving around with some people in an RV. And this is where he was at as probably the most successful comedian in the world. Not to mention, every co- comedian who is successful still refers to him as probably the most influential comedian there is, probably the most successful. And a, they'd say he's above cancel culture. He's above all of it. And the most, I heard Joe Rogan say there's nobody as much of a genius as Chappelle because it takes people a long time to write content. Jerry Seinfeld threw out all of his content and decided to write only new stuff to do live. And it took him a long, long time to write 15 minutes of, of uh, content for the stage. Dave Chappelle comes back and drops three one-hour specials, all new content. There's things like a machine. Nobody can do what he does. He's willing, instead of selling out stadiums, you know what he was doing? He was riding around the United States of America in an RV with a few people and had a portable sound system. And he would just pull up in a town, get out, go to like a public park, put up his little sound system and just start doing 
stand-up in a park until like a crowd of like 40 people would gather around. Here's a guy that could sell out stadiums if he wanted to, sell out theaters. He's just driving around in an RV, setting up a sound system, and just doing stuff for people in a park until like 40, 50 people gather around him. And like his content makes him happy. Makes him happy to just drive around in an RV and do stuff in a park. You know, it's funny because like, uh, who said, I don't remember, do you remember who told this story that was like, they were in that city doing a stadium that night or doing like a big, big theater arena? Was it Kevin Hart? Oh, yeah, yeah. Chris Rock? David Spade? Oh, David Spade. So David Spade said he was just like in a town and he was going to be doing like a big show that night. And then he said, like, he's like someone he heard somewhere, like Dave Chappelle just showed up into town and was just doing stand up in a park. He was like, seriously, like uh, he go Dave, David Spade goes down. If you don't remember who David Spade was, he was the guy uh, in Tommy Boy with Chris Farley. You know, he's the, he's the short guy from SNL. He, he goes down and Dave Chappelle, who's like this international comedian, is just like in a park with 50 people doing stand up with a portable sound system. He's like, bro, you didn't even tell me you were here. He's like, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to be here. I just drove, drove it in town. He's like, why don't you come down and, you know, sit in at the, at the big show with me tonight. You can just go in and do your thing. Which he then later said, like, I was sad that I asked him because he came in and like killed it. And then I had to follow him. But like, imagine that. Imagine just being able to like, you don't worry about like comparison. Like I need to be doing theaters again. I need to be like, I'll show up in a town. You know why? It makes me happy. Makes me happy to go in and to set up in a park and just do what makes me happy to do and not care what people think about it. It's like if Christians could live that way, like it would blow my mind to see people stop comparing themselves with one another. Stop comparing your life with someone else's, your ministry with someone else's, your church with someone else's. Because the Bible says that when you compare yourself with somebody else, it makes you unwise. Don't compare yourself. That's, that ends up getting into pride and jealousy and all these other things <clears throat> begin to happen when you start comparing yourself with somebody else, your blessings with somebody else, your, the way you do what you do. It's a mistake. And I know it's a trap in our social media generation, but it's a mistake to have that happen. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. The Bible says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, verse 7, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Contentment. Be content with what you have. Doesn't mean you don't push for increase. Because God's always got a plan to increase you. But it's talking about people that end up in jealousy, strife, envy, you know, comparison. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Um, and you see guys like that. It's like, it's mind-blowing to me. You know, that, rather than be comparing themselves, I heard Rogan say something that was like mind-blowing. He was like, you know, and he's not worried about comparing, like, what phone do you have? Like, that's how people like think like, Oh, you don't have the new iPhone. What phone do you have? You still have an iPhone from two years ago. How come you still have the two year old iPhone? And it's like, I heard, I heard Rogan say, um, he has an iPhone, but he leaves it in his studio where he does his, his, uh, podcasts. He has a flip phone. Rogan, who's a multi multi multimillionaire 
is walking around with a flip phone. Because he's like, I'm just not going to have that on me with like all the stuff and all the distractions and whatever. I'm content to look like a dork walking around with a flip phone rather than like having something like that control my life. Like just content to walk around with a flip phone. You know, you, you, I, it's a principle that guys can't seem to comprehend. Like be content, be, be happy. You know, that's, that's the people that never end up being happy. That always need the next new thing in order to be happy. Whereas these guys are just happy to do what they're, they're, they feel like they're meant to do. You know what I mean? It's like, and Christians won't live like that. Christians always come. There are, this, this will make you laugh, but this happens. Like you go to like a minister's conference. There are ministers that like will literally rent a luxury vehicle to show up to the conference because they need all the other ministers to see them get out in a, get out of a Mercedes or get out of, you know, whatever. They'll rent a luxury vehicle. I actually heard a story of a guy that, uh, he went to some conference and, uh, he was, he was, uh, he rented a car and the, and the rental company gave him some, like, I don't know what it was, like some kind of like a Ford expedition or something like that. And he got around all those other ministers and he was like, I can't be driving this literally returned the car and get a, uh, to go back and get like a, whatever, a Mercedes or a Cadillac or something. And when he came back, he was like, yeah, the Lord was convicting me about driving that X. like, well, you're a dummy. Yeah. Wearing knockoff Rolexes and fake Gucci, Fucci. <laughs> I mean, like that's, that's stupidity. That is absolute stupidity. That's all pride. They need to see me in a Mercedes. They need to see me. In a, like, if you have one great, but can you imagine like I have returning a rental car to go get a luxury vehicle. So that's what people can see you in. Like, that's the dumbest thing ever. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you have nice things, that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. It's the mindset of like, that's, this is what they need to see me in. I was like, like, bro, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, you, you, you can't care. You can't care because that thing will run your whole life. It'll run your whole life. So again, value your values. Put them above everything else. Don't be pushed back against this antichrist agenda culture. Make you change your values and what you believe and what you say because it might offend somebody. Number two, push boundaries on purpose. If the devil says you can't do it, do it twice. Number three, don't be shut down to other ideas coming in. If the Holy Spirit's leading you outside of what seems normal, follow the leading of the Spirit. Follow the leading of the spirit, call out wrong things. Don't be afraid to rebuke something that's wrong. And finally be content. Don't get into comparison. Don't fall into the trap of comparison. Don't fall into the control. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy you. I want to pray for you because, and I'm back all this week, by the way, in the studio before we leave again for Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So I'll be back live. Carolyn will be live in her sessions tomorrow and Friday, but I want to pray for you because more than ever, we need this kind of Christian. This is, this is who we need. People that do this stuff, not people that are ashamed, not people that are uh, always falling back so they don't offend somebody. We need this. We need those that are moving out violently. I don't mean violent towards people. I'm talking about people that will uh, stand strong on their beliefs, be firm on what they believe. That's you. That's why you're part of the victory tribe. That's what the victory tribe does. That's who we are. 
And so if, if it need, if it takes more boldness today, I'm going to pray boldness comes on you. If it takes that unashamed personality, that timidity to leave you, it's leaving you. And if you need a fresh filling of the Holy ghost, I'm going to pray. God gives you a fresh filling of the Holy ghost. So father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man and every woman watching this today, live or on the replay. Maybe they're listening on the podcast, fill them with a fresh boldness today, a fresh fire in the Holy ghost. I pray in Jesus name that you give them a fresh baptism. Let that fire come alive in their heart. And from this day, walking in an unashamed way, I'll declare the word of God. I will not pull back. We push forward into victory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, open doors for your people. Lord, those that are sick, heal them in Jesus' mighty name. Those that are battling in their minds, send them peace. Let this be the the greatest five months of increase that we've ever seen in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for it. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I want to give you just a heads up here. Uh, there's still time. If maybe, you, maybe you've been hearing the Lord speak to you about partnering with our ministry, with me and Carolyn. Maybe you've been feeling to move that direction. I'm going to be honest with you. There's really not a better time than there's ever been to, to become a partner with our ministry. Not only are we blessing partners and we, we care for our partners. We pray for them. We, we reach out to them. But let me tell you, we want to see you in person. And that's why we're getting ready to do this Victory Tribe Homecoming weekend in November. And there's still time. I mean, if you're, if you're not partnered yet, you can get partnered with us right now. Uh, $85 a month, maybe more, whatever it is that you feel to do. $100 a month, $500 a month. But stand with us in monthly partnership as we're touching the world. We're getting ready to shoot more television today. Uh, our television goes around the world, 180 nations. We're getting ready to expand to 39 million more uh, people with the, with the gospel. People are getting saved left and right. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you, Janine. But we need people to stand with us to do what God's called us to do. It's been our prayer that God would send you to stand with us. So if you're going to do that, go to miracleword.com. Click on the partner link. Uh, it's all new, by the way. Everything under the under the partner section of our website, it's been reformatted, revamped. It looks amazing, but it's it's so that you can see all that we're doing, so that you have a full understanding of what you're partnering with, who you're partnering with, what your partnership is accomplishing in the ministry. And so if you click on the partner page, you can see all of that. And then stand with us. Stand with us and partner uh, to see God move in our generation. For those that are partnering in the month of August, uh, we're going to be sending you this book by Bishop David Oyedepo, powerful man of God, and a powerful book called Operating in the Supernatural. Operating in the Supernatural. This is a man that has not just shaken his nation, but has shaken the world. I love Bishop Oyedepo. And if you've partnered with us, if you've sown a seed of $85 or more this month, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And uh, you can fill it out to receive this as our gift to you in the month of August. Um, I want to say that again, that miracle word, the Victory Tribe homecoming weekend, it's coming up November 12th and 13th. And I want to see you there. It's for all of our partners and uh, RSVP will be available this week. We're going to contact you via email uh, and text. And also we're mailing something to your house, but we don't trust the post office to fully deliver everything they mail. So we're going to reach out to you digitally as well. And uh, if you're not signed up to receive text messages, do that. It's going to be the quickest way 
quickest way to hear from me, and it is me texting you, uh, it is me contacting you, and you can write me back, we can stay connected. Um, But that's going to be available this week because we need to know who's coming. We we have to let the hotel know. Um, We've got all the addresses and everything for you of the Renaissance Hotel. Uh, Sunday service that weekend, I would say, AJ, the same place we're going to be for the Friday night, which is uh, Central Assembly of God in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. That's the church where we're um, holding. You know what? Jonathan may have his church open by that point. They're shooting for first Sunday in November, I believe. So uh, he may be open over in Pittsburgh, uh, which will be a little bit of a drive from there, but really not too bad, I guess. Um, but he may be open by that point. I think they're shooting for first of November. So another good option, but we want to see you guys there. November the 12th and 13th. That's a Friday night and a Saturday afternoon. Uh, would love to see you. So the, the lunch is for partners, but we definitely need to know that you're coming. So we'll have some information going out this week. So how you can RSVP on the website and, uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be very great. I'll be back again in the morning. Uh, 1030 all this week. Carolyn's with you tomorrow and Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time um, for her broadcast. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, brand new kids stuff coming out tomorrow. So you're going to want to keep your ear to the ground for that. It's just great. God's doing so many things. There's so many things to talk about. Uh, am I missing anything at all? So much is going on. Uh, but anyway, I love you so much. Again, if you're not signed up for text message, uh, you want to do that. Go to miracleword.com forward slash text, sign up, and it's going to be great. So the question is, how long will we be in Lancaster for? All the dates are on the website. If you go to our website and click the events, uh, the schedule page, you'll see the dates. And uh, I think we're scheduled for Sunday through Wednesday, right? The whole week. My bad. It's through Friday. What do I know? It's on the website. I don't have to remember because it's logged on the website. (laughs) We love you guys too. Have a wonderful, wonderful day and uh, share this if you haven't yet. I'll talk to you again in the morning. Be blessed. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.